it's great to be together. It's great to have fun, and and this is what families do. At least in my family, we are about laughing. And this morning, we're we're going to start a series within a series. Let's read from a Colossians chapter three, verse eighteen. And as you turn to your Bible, let's ask the Lord to bless the word. God, we need you to speak to us. We cannot live this life on our own. So we come to you and ask that you would help the word to come alive this morning. We're grateful. Lord, I pray that my words would become your words, even that I would slip away and that you would stand in this place and use me as your vessel and speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So continue our journey in the book of Colossians. We come to verse 18. Now, I am tying all the way through chapter 4, verse 1 into this section. Usually we, we stop at a, a chapter break or a next break. And I, I'm kind of surprised that, that 4 broke right at verse 1 instead of maybe going and starting. You know, because when this was originally written, you know, there weren't numbers. The, the, these were letters. The, the Bible was not broken down into chapters and verses when they were written down by Paul and the other people. Those were to, to put in there to help us uh, find things easier. And so we're going to go from chapter 3, verse 18, all the way through 4.1. Wives, you listening? <laughs> submit. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey. Don't you love that word? Obey. Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. You know, I'm going to stop in a little sermonette. Sometimes that scripture is a wonderful, just, you will be repaid for what he has done. If you're ever thinking about trying to get vengeance back on somebody, go to the scripture and say, you know what? God will repay for what they've done. Don't ever take it into your own hands. Just, there's no blessing there. There's a curse that will come with it. And, and how God brings about that is, is absolutely the best. There is no partiality. Chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, Give your bondservant what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Today we're going to begin a series on the Christian household. And, and I was really trying to, to, to find the right term that would make his... We're not going to spend time just talking about families as, as maybe even a nuclear family. We're going to cover uh, marriage. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about children. We're going to talk about single-hearted living. For those in here who are, who are single, 
God has put you and you are in a specific, a special place that you can live single heartedly. We're going to spend some time talking to the singles. We're going to talk about Christ in the workplace. I believe when we read bond servants and masters that I just simply put in there employees and employers. We don't have slaves, though some of you might think that you are a slave where you work. Some of you wives might think you're a slave to your home. But when we, when we go there, so we're going to talk about these things, these aspects of the Christian household and how they affect us and how to overcome, how to have a great marriage, how to raise children, how to have success in your life. Now, when I read the Bible, I see an amazing display of examples of dysfunctional families. When I read the Bible, I, it's what I see. They stand out so strong, D- dysfunctional families. Isn't that true? You ever think about that? So where do we begin? We're going to just do a quick overview of some of the dysfunctional families, and I thought we'd start alphabetically. We're going to start with Abraham. Abraham didn't lead his household always. He let his household lead. Lot turned against him. Abraham had to rescue him from Sodom and Gomorrah. Then Abraham heeded his wife, Sarai's advice. Sarai wanted children so bad that she thought it would be a good idea to have Hagar be a living surrogate mother. Not so bright. Abraham agreed. What was he thinking? So through their dysfunction, we find two lines being born. We find the Muslim line as well as the Jewish line. The the Muslim line comes through the son, Ishmael. And we know that the the Jewish line where we come in comes through the blessing through Isaac. Now, Isaac had his issues, but we're going to skip some of those and just talk about his issues as a father. He and Rebecca had kids, dysfunctional people having dysfunctional kids. So Isaac and Rebecca had twins. Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Jacob was a mama's boy. Esau was a daddy's boy. Jacob dwelt in tents. Esau was a hunter. Right away you begin to see something setting up. Jacob's mom loved him. But Isaac, he loved Esau. Jacob was a deceiver. But Esau despised his birthright. He had no conviction, even to the point of saying, I'll sell my birthright for a bowl of stew. He didn't have enough character. So Jacob goes to his family and meets the love of his life, Rachel, his uncle's daughter, his cousin. Is this dysfunctional enough yet? He's marrying his cousin. Jacob deceives, lives his life as a deceiver. So Jacob now finds the love of his life, and we know what happened. He agrees to work for seven years to get Rachel's hand in marriage. And he works his seven years, and he's deceived. And somehow, I don't know how this happened, but on the wedding night, the daughters are switched, and he doesn't realize it. And so now he's married to Leah instead of to Rachel. A little bit dysfunction happening. So what does he say? 
hey, I want another wife. This isn't going to turn out well. So he works for another seven years and he gets Rachel. Sisters, married to the same man, living in the same house. This should get good. This is dysfunction at its peak. Now remember, having kids is really important, especially in this era, and not just children, but men children is so important because your lineage was carried on through the man. Women, sadly, in this time were, were, were looked at as not much more than property. But male children were so important. So now, Jacob loves Rachel more than Leah. Leah is unloved. So God opens Leah's womb, and she conceives first the firstborn son for Jacob, and the second, and the third, and the fourth. Four sons born to Leah, whom Jacob really wasn't that fond of. Rachel he loved. Rachel isn't very happy, so she starts blaming Jacob, and she comes up with a great plan. I can't have kids, so I'm going to take my servant, and she'll bear children on my knees for me. She must not remember how well that worked out for Jacob's grandmother. It didn't work out very good for Sarah and Hagar. So Bilhah begins to have children. She has two sons. Then Leah must have liked that idea. She was done bearing children, so she does the same thing. And her servant now has two children for Leah. So we have the score at this point is Leah 4, Rachel 0, Bilhah 2, and Zilpah 2. Four women, lots of kids. The one he loves has none. This is dysfunction. The sisters start fighting over some mandrakes. That's kind of strange. Mandrakes, actually, they're, they're not positive for sure if, it, if that's a good translation when I was reading about that. But if they were, mandrakes actually are a hallucinogen. And so um, there, there's hallucinogenic properties in the mandrakes. So Rachel wants to get stoned. I don't know. And so she wants the son's mandrakes. And she says, listen, you can have Jacob tonight if I can have some of your mandrakes. So Leah, who had been barren up to this point, for, again, she had born the four kids. She goes in and she gets pregnant. So now she has another child. Leah does. So finally, Rachel gets in on the childbearing and bears a son, the son that we know best of the 12, I think, and that's Joseph. Well, a while later, Benjamin is born and mom dies in, in bearing these children. So Jacob has 12 sons and a daughter and too many wives, and it's just dysfunctional. And we see so many of the things going on in this story. So now we have Joseph who's born and he's now his dad's favorite, which is parents, really good idea. Make sure that all the other kids in your family know which one you like the best. This is what we learned from that. Treat them special. Give them gifts that you don't give to anyone else. It's really healthy for the other kids. It's healthy for, for the, you know, Joseph. It's really good for him knowing that he was different. He gets the coat of many colors. The, boy, the guys are out in the field. And then Joseph starts getting dreams from God. 
Now, God knows what he's doing, but I question, why did you give them to Joseph? Because Joseph wasn't ready for these. Joseph gets these dreams, and he goes, wow. And he sees the sheaves bowing down, and the sun and the moon and the stars all bowing down to him. So he's really smart, and he keeps his mouth shut. No, he goes and tells the brothers that don't already like him and says, guess what? You're all going to bow down to me, and I'm going to be your leader. They throw him in the well. He gets sold into slavery. This is what brothers do. I grew up, you know, we were a family of five. I had three older brothers. And I think if we had any wells in my household, they might have thrown me in. <laughs> sold off into slavery and where he spends 11 years between prison and being a slave. And then finally Joseph rises up. Dysfunction. Dysfunction. Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Don't think the family life there was too good. Lot. He offers his daughters. How can we say this? Well, good for the recording. He offers his daughters to the men of the city to do with whatever they want to do. Thanks, Dad. So a bit later, after Lot's wife died because she liked the good life of Sodom and Gomorrah, remember she's leaving the city, she looked back, the good life she wanted. His two daughters, Lot's two daughters, get him drunk and get pregnant by him. This is in the Bible, guys. You know, you don't have to watch these weird movies on. Just read the Bible. Use your imagination. From these, the Moabites and the Ammonites are born, which is the ones we're going to be fighting with the rest of the time. This is, this is great. David has too many wives. He's got at least eight, maybe ten. He's got a lot of concubines too. It's problems. Problems. And he, can't, he, and he will not take care of his family. He won't lead right. And so he almost loses the kingdom because of the rebellion of Absalom. Solomon. Do you know what you call somebody who wants more than one spouse? Stupid. <laughs> 700 wives. 300 concubines. And they turned his heart to other gods. I've had enough. The Bible is full of these families and examples. And so it's kind of funny that in church we'll say, we're going to talk about the biblical and godly examples of family. <laughs> what, does this, what does this show us? That, what do these dysfunctional relationships have to offer in the way of families and marriage? It, it shows us a couple of things. One, it does show us what not to do. There's an example there, how not to lead your home. And, and there's actually value in that. You can see when people walked off, even as the kings would have their children, and of course the children succeeded the kings, and so many of the children rebelled against the father. And we can learn what we should and shouldn't do a little bit from these examples. But more than that, the second thing that we learn is that God's grace is amazing. All of these radically dysfunctional people God used to establish his kingdom. God used in this progress to show that as you look in the mirror and say, I come from that same dysfunctional family. 
And maybe you're raising kids right now and you haven't gotten it together yet. And you're going, and I'm raising my kids. There is hope for you. There is hope for me. God's grace is bigger and he has a plan. But the plan will even be better if we'll submit to him and learn the ways he wants us to live as singles, as husbands, wives, fathers, people in the the workplace. The foundation of the home is Christ. That has to be the foundation that we build our homes on. Nothing else. A core value that, that I have, we have here, that we believe that the family is the primary vehicle for spiritual formation. That, that the family, what you live in, is the primary vehicle for spiritual formation. It's not the church. If you're a parent and you come to church and drop them off on Sunday morning or you bring your teenager to Tuesday night hoping that they are going to be spiritually formed and do well in life, it's not going to happen. Barring a miracle of God, that's not enough. The church is not the primary vehicle for spiritual formation. The family is. The church's role is to come alongside of you to help you in the process of becoming a better spouse, of learning how to be a single in this crazy world. I was talking with Pastor Jeff that, that years ago, not that many years ago, the, one of the issues in the church was that single people felt like, you know, the whole, all society cried out, if you're not married, you're just not there. And so single people didn't really have a place. Well, now it's kind of turning the tides. Now if you're married, you're kind of weird. Why get married? Just shack up, have some fun. And so, but the, but the church has come to help you to learn how to navigate this world, to help you learn, but you have to put it into practice. The church is here to help you in the task of forming your children spiritually. And we, we want to do that through uh, uh, various methods. One, we do it on Sunday mornings. We do it on in, in Sunday in Kids Zone next door, teaching from the pulpit, just bringing you messages. It's one of the ways that we, we want to bring it. And as we do that, we come to chapters like this that we're studying in Colossians. And, and again, I didn't really talk about this, but some of you might have said, wait, we're already in a series in Colossians and you're starting another series. It's a mini-series. It's a mini-series within a series because when we got to this section, I went, let's spend some time in talking about this all-important fact. No matter what stage of life, we want to address and help you become what God wants you to become in helping to form be formed spiritually and forming your family spiritual. But Ephesians chapter 6, Colossians 3, 1 Timothy uh, 5, 1 Peter 2 and 3, all these chapters that have verses that talk about the Christian family, bond servants, which employees, employers, if you will, and these, these chapters. So we'll talk about these things from the pulpit. So one of the ways that we want to help you in your task of ra- becoming spiritually formed yourself and your family is by teaching through the, the, from the pulpit. Another way which is so important are life groups. You know, we, we promote that, that everyone would get into a, a group of people, a life group and that they would live life together. These aren't supposed to be Bible study groups. They're supposed to be groups where you can share your heart, pray for one another, that you're meeting. And one of the things that that we don't do a lot of is try to put you together with exactly the same people that you are. You know, if if you're all all singles, then then you're going to encourage each other, yes, in the single life, but what about for those singles who want to learn how to be married? 
So it's great when you see a group of people who meet together from different parts of life, some singles, some married, some young, some old, to, to work with each other and help each other grow, to challenge each other, to pray for each other. Getting involved, and not just getting involved, but opening yourself up to live in community through a life group is so important. What we tend to do, though, is get involved with one. What we tend to do is attend one. Oh, you know, I like that group. But we go and we learn a little bit about the Bible. We do our thing, but nobody knows us, and we go home. Life groups are about living life. So you're missing out on something if you're not work, living that, that life out with one another. So teaching from the pulpit, life group. We, we, we uh, from time to time, and uh, we'll, we'll be doing it more, we'll offer special classes. We had that, I, I just loved it. I, I'm the one who picked it. I guess I should have loved it. When we did Laughter Way to a Better Marriage, raise your hand if you did that, and keep it up if you thought it was, was, was good and informational and a lot of fun. You know, we, we need to do that again. There's a lot of hands that didn't go up. It was a great time. We learned a lot about one another, uh, about our spouses. But we're going to offer classes from time to time. We did a parenting class. It was actually sponsored uh, through um, the Mom and Dad Project. But we came, and it was uh, a parenting class from a biblical perspective. So we're going to do that occasionally, have some classes to help us know how to navigate and to give, help give you the tools that you need to form your family spiritually. It's not our job. I was talking to Ed about this. And we, we had this conversation. Whose job is it, Ed? And I gave him that statement. I said, the family is the primary vehicle for spiritual formation. And we really pretty much came up with that, that there, there it has been in the past and there's still today people who bring their kids and, and they drop them off at youth group and say, you deal with them. Make them become Christians. They're all messed up. Well, they didn't get there on their own. You know, this is, this is something that has to be happening at home. And there's an, a new resource. So we've got these three things, these special classes, life groups, and teach for the pulpit. This morning, I want to talk about a new, new resource that we're making available to you. You know, we live in a technological, uh, rich day. We have smartphones. You can watch videos and, and TV and news on this. We live by the computer, iPads. Now, I don't know if all of us in this church are, uh, not everyone here is up on the technology curve yet. But, but amazing that even those of you who say, you know, I'm just not into technology, m probably have a cell phone already. This is something big, and, and technology in a lot of ways can make life better. I believe it can also make life worse. It's about how you use it. We can get lost in it. I'm not, I don't think everything should be technology. I got a, uh, a sad email from, from Floyd. I, I laughed at it too about church in the future. You know, okay, as we, as we turn on our iPads and our phones, flick over to the scripture for the day, click, click on the icon and download your message. You know, the ushers are going to bring by the card swiper as you can swipe your offering. And it's, it's coming, and some of those things are here. They are here. In fact, it was I, Floyd, I have to I say you sent that. I got it last, last night when I was uh, you know, just kind of going over my notes a little bit more. And, and we're talking this morning about some technology, and I went, you know, here we are. We're Big Bear. We're, you know, in Orange County, it's even more so. 
so much more technology. But we've got this thing that we're going to make available to you today. It's uh, a digital media streaming venue. It's like Christian Netflix. Okay? All of you familiar with Netflix, most of you? So we believe that this new, this new uh, avenue of media streaming can help augment, not replace. It can help enhance and support you in creating godly homes. And I believe that this, just in the, in the value of dollars, is so valuable. And it's going to be free to everyone who wants to sign up for it. We're going to play a short two-minute video right now. Don't worry, we don't need you to show up with a hammer on Saturday. We've gone digital. Now everyone in our church can access a ton of great biblical teaching on video, anytime, anywhere. We know that spiritual questions don't just come up on Sunday. Any day of the week we might face issues about our marriage, or parenting, or finances. And we're always looking for ways to deepen our understanding of prayer, of missions, or of discipleship. That's why we've given you instant access to great biblical teaching videos for all ages. Stuff for kids, like What's in the Bible from VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer, and Paws and Tales from Chuck Swindoll. Youth resources from teachers like Eric Mason and Francis Chan. Marriage and parenting videos from Gary Thomas and Chip Ingram. And biblical teaching on a wide variety of topics from Tim Keller, Matt Chandler, Max Licato, Dave Ramsey, Andy Stanley, Margaret Feinberg, Louis Giglio, and many more. It's a great way to supplement your daily devotional time, to find quality materials for family worship, prep for leading or teaching your group, watch Bible studies with your small group, and if someone misses a meeting, they don't have to fall behind. They can easily catch up on their own. Some groups may even have their members watch the video before the meeting, leaving more time for discussion when everyone is gathered. By making this library of great biblical teaching available to you when and where you need it, this is just one more way we hope we can support and equip you on your journey of faith. There's going to be an invitation coming into your box. And some of you have already gotten it and, and, and done this. I'm going to begin to... Uh, pass these clipboards out as we talk a little bit more about this and show you some some examples so this is their website here and if you're interested this doesn't sign you up for anything other than access to this website um, but you could put your name and your email address down pass it around as we do this but this is like I said Christian Netflix if you were through this through this, you can access over 2,000 videos, including Bible studies, um, training material, leadership conferences. And on top of that, we're going to be able to do things with our leaders. They actually have a, a part in there. We can make our own videos, upload them, and send them out to all of our leaders if you have a computer. Now, that's the one thing. You have to have access to a computer, whether it's through your smartphone, computer at home. Anyone have Apple TV? How about a Roku? Roku? You got Roku? Okay. Through Roku, you can hit some of you are giving these funny faces like, what Roku? You know, it, it's, it's, it's a box that you can actually watch things. And this, this channel is on the Roku. So you can access all of these. But as you see um, at the top, it, it's, uh, it, go, scroll back up to the top real quick there. It says, 
Bible study library, custom Bible training, and leadership events library. So right now we're in the Bible study library. So go ahead and scroll down a little bit. These are some things. Now they're just released. Most popular as you go down. There's children's um, idea, things for youth, parenting, family, marriage. Let's go click on it. Starts at home. We're doing a parent. We're doing a family series. So so go ahead and open up. It starts at home. So you just you'd come to the site, uh, middle one right above. There it is. You, you'd click on that. It opens this up and it scroll down just a little bit there, and it has these the series. All the, all the things, they're 37 minutes, 27 minutes long. You can watch all these for free. Now, if you went out and bought this series to do a Bible study at home, this would cost you probably about $40. There's about, there's, there's maybe a thousand of these at your disposal to help augment and enhance what you're doing. This doesn't replace church. It doesn't replace, uh, you can't just stick your kids in front of it and say, learn about parenting. But, um, so there's all of these things, and you just click on them and watch them. Now, all of these have, uh, uh, well, most of them have information that you can download, but you have to buy. Like, if there's a workbook that goes with the Bible study, that's not free. The video's free. If you want the workbook, you have to buy it. A lot of them you don't have to. There is no workbook. You don't have to use them. And so let's go ahead and go back up, um, get, get out of here, and go up to the search bar. And so let's say right there on the upper right, there's a search bar. And you say, hey, honey, you know, uh, we, we got to the end of the money before the end of the month again. What should we do? Hey, what about this Bible study series? Is there anything on finances? So you type in finance. You go and click uh, enter. And it's going to bring you up uh, things on uh, finances. There's some just illustrations. If you see over to the right, it says 113 video illustration. That's just a clip you might want to watch. It might be funny. It's those things we'd be using sometimes at the church. Go down a little bit more, and then you have the first one, an eight-session Bible study, Managing Our Finances God's Way. So from Crown Financial. Crown Financial, many of you are familiar with. These are trusted ministries. Dave Ramsey is one of the financial guys in there. It's amazing, all this stuff that's available. So I, I'm encouraging you to sign up and begin to use that to help augment. From time to time, we'll be sending out to everyone who signs up suggestions of a study that maybe we think would be good. As I get to know some of you more, there might be one that stood out to me, and I think this would be really good for you or for a small group to do. So I'll send you an email. So this is how we're going to be using that. It's free for you to use. Sign it up. And we'll begin, begin that to open that up. And we pray that it's a blessing. Again, this is to help you, to help you enhance what you're already doing or to kickstart what you know you should be doing but don't know how to do it. But that's only one of the ways we want to do that. Is that okay? little infomercial. All right. This, I actually do have an eye appointment to get new glasses so I don't have to take them off all the time. So this morning is the kickoff day of starting this, this uh, family, parenting, single ministry that's the series that we're going through. In this section in Colossians, what do we find? Husbands or, or wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Father, do not provoke your children. Bondservants, obey in all things your master. And what's the common denominator in all of these things? Well, they're all found in Colossians. They're all difficult to do. 
All of these things are difficult to do. That's a common denominator too. And, um, but the first one gives us the key. You know, all of these principles are in the book of Colossians. And the book of Colossians is written to Christians. The common denominator is that it's you being a Christian is the only way you can do any of these things. In Christ. You have to be saved to really get a hold and to be able to manage and master these things. All of the topics we'll be covering, the secret to all the topics we're covering over the next few weeks is that your faith is central to this theme. You have to be saved. You have to have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living inside. And there's a lot of plenty of good examples, good marriages in the world. Um, some who aren't Christian. And you go, wow, they just have a, have a good marriage. But we're going to approach these subjects from the Christian standpoint. And although some of the principles we talk about over the next few weeks are universal for saved or unsaved, these principles, they're going to better your life. They're going to better your marriage. They're going to better your single life, how to navigate this world. So where are we going to begin? Do you remember that? I, when I was preparing this, I remember that old song, Let There Be Peace on Earth and what? And let it begin with me. That's where we start. This whole thing about better marriages and better families is not about your spouse getting better. It's not about sending your kids off to some program to get them to understand that you're right and they're wrong. The whole key is right here. Let there be peace in my family and let it begin with me. How do you, what makes a good marriage? How do you raise good children? How do you have a good uh, job? All the answers to these questions is, it starts with me. So we're going to start with Deuteronomy 6.5. Am I having a hot flash or is it warm? Okay. <laughs> I think I'm too young for a hot flash. <laughs> I'm feeling like years ago, Pastor Jeff and Peggy and Shannon and I, we all went out to a Mexican restaurant to eat, and I was eating a chili relleno. I mean, I'm feeling that way again, and I was just starting to get hot. And I'm breathing hard, and they look at me, and my face is all red. And it was the hottest chili. Do you guys remember that? It was a chili reno. They're not supposed to be hot, right? I mean, and, but, and, 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 you know, they're going, oh, you know, you just must be a hot wimp. I'm sweating. Beads of sweat are coming down my forehead from a chili reno. I'm feeling a little bit like that. So I don't know. And I'm, I'm not that nervous, though. I, you know, I am a little. Deuteronomy 6 5. The greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. 
you shall love the Lord your God. This is not a command of love God, love God, because you can't, but fall in love with God. Learn to love God with all your heart. Set him apart. Get to know him so much that you just love him. And that is the beginning of the process. It's not about doing things. You say, well, you know, if you love someone, you're going to do things for them. So I'm going to do things for God, then maybe I'll love them. Fall in love with God. Get to know his mercy and his grace and his plan for you. Spend time with him so that you just know him so well that you have to love him. You know, there are people, there are people in the world that if you get to know well enough, you'd love them because they're just such good people. How much more God, if you take the time to get to know him for in truth, in truth, really spending that time. You're going to have to get rid of some of your preconceived notions about who he is and get rid of those things and really get to know the father. And as you do, you'll begin to love him. That's the key for this, the series that we're going to start about becoming a better husband or wife or managing your home or having success in the workplace. It starts with you and your relationship with the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And it gives some, some commands, but I would say even suggestions of how, to, the, how you'll do it here. It says, with these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. That's that part of the emotions. That's that part of the, 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 the core part of our lives, the, the heart. Let these commandments get into your heart, not just into your mind, not just into your actions. Let them be part of who you are. And then as you do that, then these other things will begin to take place. And as you do these things, it'll increase. And it's, it's this wonderful path as you know the Lord more, you begin to teach your kids about his goodness. And as you begin to teach your kids about his goodness, you begin to love the Lord more. Flip over to Psalm 127. Pretty much in the middle of your Bible. This isn't about you doing something new. It's about God establishing something in your life and in your home that will affect your children, your marriage, your single life, your grandparenting, whatever stage you're in. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. The old children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. How many times have you tried to do something in your own strength and it just feels like vanity? What's the point? You're saying, What's the point? What's the point? We need to labor in the Lord. And really that means let Him do the labor and us be in Him. 
this intro message is real short today. Just three points. But it's an ongoing thing and it's just scratching the surface. It's just the beginning part of the series as we go into deeper parts. But the three points, the first point is, so how do we do that? One, you need to learn to run to the Father. Run to the Father. Go to Proverbs 18.10. In your life, in the past or maybe right now, you have places that you like to run to. Some people like to run to Murray's to have a beer and play some pool. Some people like to run to the TV, run to the sports, run to a soap opera. We run to so many places. We need to run to the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. In our world today, in our crazy lives, we need a strong tower. One that who is, one that where we're safe, one there where the arrows cannot reach us. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Run to the Lord. Run to God. Stop running to all the places that you're currently running, looking for escape, and say, God, you're my answer. I need to run to you. I can't keep running to these other places. Run to him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Psalm 119. We're going to read the whole thing. The laughs are coming because those who are laughing know that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word, it says. 119 verse 25. I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments. For you shall enlarge my heart. I shall run the course. Run to the Lord. Find Him in all of His goodness, in all of His glory. Get to know Him through His Word, through prayer. Spend time with God. If Who's ever been interested in somebody of the opposite sex? What do you want to do? You want to spend time with them. You want to talk to them. I remember teenagers are so funny. They can, well now it used to be this. They would sit on the phone with each other for hours talking about nothing. But they're talking, just talking. They're just, they couldn't be together physically. I, 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 I remember even doing this as a kid. You, you call them up and you run out of things to say. So then you start going, what are you watching? And you start watching TV together over the telephone. Anyone brave enough to admit they did that one? Spend time with them. Talk to God. Not talk to God. Get to know Him. Pray. Not just God bless, 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 but God, I want to know You. Sit in His presence. Listen for His voice. Worship Him and still your heart. Know Him through His Word. He declares Himself through His Word. 
He declares himself to us as we get to know him. We find his attributes and his heart toward us. Spend time in the word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in his presence. This is how you run to God. Spending time in his presence, you just have to sit down or lay down or stand up, whatever it is that you do. But don't, the Bible says, don't be in the hurry to leave the presence of the king. Just wait. Listen for his voice. Let him stir things. Don't just read the Bible and ask for things. You might read a scripture and just wait. Put on a a song with some lyrics and then put on maybe some music with nothing so it doesn't distract you and have your mind go to a certain subject and just sit in His presence. Get to know Him. You might find that He begin to speak to you. Remember years ago I was praying in my, in my office at, at the wedding chapel that I owned. And it was in the little chapel part actually and just praying and I was doing what all good Christians praying and telling them what to do giving God advice God bless them and do this and speak to me and I was just going for it it's just kind of a machine gun prayer and God I want to hear from you and speak to me and just going on and on and I've heard the audible voice of God just a couple of times in my life and I heard the audible voice of God that day is I was saying, God, I just want to hear from you. Oh, and I'm just praying. And I heard God say, shut up. (laughs) That is not a joke. I thought that is just the weirdest thing. And then, and it it was like, it it was this thing. It was not that still small voice. It was so evident. I thought somebody was in the room. And then he spoke to my heart and he says, how can I speak to you? If you won't quiet down, spend time in his presence. Be quiet. You know, do you really like to be in the presence of people who all they do is talk? You got to be quiet. Some of you are going, that's me. (laughs) Run to the Father to receive his forgiveness. In order to have any of this, you have to really receive the forgiveness of the Lord not just in your mind you have to know that you're forgiven you don't have to conjure it up you don't have to be forgiven you have to receive it he did the work you're forgiven but receive it Isaiah 61 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he's sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound guys there are a number of us in this room today that are still in captivity and you're still bound up because you've never received god's forgiveness in your life you've prayed the prayer you've asked god to forgive you His blood covers your sin, but you won't accept it. You're not worthy. God doesn't love you. Those are the thoughts that are going through your heart and your mind. And you need to run to him and receive his forgiveness. 
many times the reason that we are so angry with our children or have a bad marriage is because we're walking in unforgiveness ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves and there's so much hurt and bitterness and anger that we lash out to others. So you need to learn to receive God's forgiveness. Deal with those things and let His love and compassion and grace wash over you. Ephesians 3, don't turn there. It says, In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You're free and you can have freedom if you receive His forgiveness. And once you receive that forgiveness, and in order to receive that forgiveness, God is going to do some things in your heart. He's going to say, as I've forgiven you, forgive them. And a process is going to begin to happen. You're not going to have a healthy home, a healthy marriage, without receiving forgiveness from God and also learning to forgive those that hurt you. We're not going to go deep into that today, but we'll be talking about that subject is going to come up in the different sessions we talk about. How do we really forgive? And, and a simple de- one of the many simple definitions and understanding of forgiveness is releasing, releasing the right to have vengeance on them. Releasing the right to make them pay for what they did. That's a simple understanding of forgiveness. Release that. I am not going to make them pay. I am not going to hold the right to make them pay for what they did. Forgive them. Let God forgive you. And as you do that, walk in the forgiveness of others. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says, But you have been justified freely. You're justified freely. The third quick point, we're going to run to the Father. This week, this is the thing we're going to be doing. God, I want to run to you and begin to know you in a new and fresh way. I'm going to receive your forgiveness. I'm going to forgive others and receive your forgiveness. And I'm going to learn to rest in you. You need to rest in him. You can't do it. You can't conjure this up. You can't be a good enough dad. You can't be a good enough mom. Because about the end of the day, when you've done really good, the kids come up and hack you off one more time, and you just have had enough, and all that goodness that you've done all day long is gone. You just can't do it. So you rest in him, because he's the strong tower. In him. And through him, we do it. That's our place. Psalm 62 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. You have to rest in him. I used to work out, believe it or not. And when you were working out, you would always want to push yourself to, to lift just a little bit more each time. Or you would be working out on a set and you'd just get to the point where you couldn't lift the, the weight one more time. See, resting in God is much like working out. You never work out without a partner. Well, not, not with free weights at least. And I've been pinned under, you know, 185, 200 pounds of, of weights on my chest and I couldn't get it off and... And, and didn't have a workout partner, had to roll it down my body and because you're just stuck. But when you're working out and you get to that point, you just can't lift it anymore. Your workout partner comes, and this is so funny, they put one finger under their weight, right? You've, you've done this, I'm sure. 
They just put one or two fingers and they just barely pick up the weight. And they help you to do it. So we can't do it on our own. God is there. God is there. He's taking the weight that we can't lift onto himself. We're resting in him. He has to do the work. He has to do it. We cannot do it. And for him, it's no problem. It's no problem. And you're sitting there going, and he goes, it's no problem. Rest in him. Do it in him. Don't try to do any of this on your own. You'll never make it. You'll frustrate your spouse. You'll be frustrated yourself. You'll be doing it in your own strength and you'll look at your spouse or the people that you're trying to have a relationship with and you'll tell them to do the same thing. Look at everything I'm doing. Just be in Christ. Be in his presence. Get to know him. And through that relationship, he's going to give you capacity to be in relationship. He's going to give you capacity to love your spouse more, to be with your children, to go through the hard things. He's going to give you the capacity to be an employee of an employer who's just, dare I say it, a jerk. He's going to give you supernatural abilities, but it's got to be in Him. And that's where we start this morning. Over the next number of weeks, we'll talk about these things. Now, there's a few things I want you to do. You might be going, I have some questions, Pastor. I want to hear them. And we'll start answering them through the sermons and through the series over the next few weeks. What about this? Send me an email. Put it on a a private Facebook message. Slip it in the offering. It can be anonymous. It can have a name. But if there's things in the the area of of what we're going to be covering over relationships with spouses and children and how to be a godly parent, how to live single-hearted in this crazy world, what are my roles and what, what does God say about finances, whatever these things are, put them down and we'll see if we can answer them. That's one of the things you can do. And the rest is right in this message today. Run to the Father. Receive forgiveness and rest in him would you just lift your hands and let's receive something from him today there's a number of you this morning who are just tired I'm feeling the weariness I believe the Lord is just showing me the weariness And he would say to you, come to me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. Lord, this morning we surrender. We don't want to do this on our own. We know we can't. But we know that nothing is difficult for you. God, help us to run to you instead of the places that we have been running. Forgive us for looking for other sources. Forgive us for having other lords. We run to you this morning and we receive your grace and your forgiveness. We thank you that we've been freely justified and in you there's nothing. God, you have not declared us not guilty. You have declared us righteous, innocent. We receive that by faith. And Lord, we need to learn how to rest in you. We struggle all we want and we can't lift the weight. 
but Lord, you can. With just a finger, because you are so mighty, so strong. You're our strong tower. So we surrender ourselves in our ways and embrace yours. God, in you, through you, we will become single-hearted. We'll become better parents and spouses. We'll become excellent bosses and employees. Teach us your ways. Help us to walk in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to get some emails from you about some questions.